So I think we're we're pretty much done talking about Kyrie Irving for the like until the summer. Pretty, nah, pretty that's sure gonna, that's, gonna, that's gonna rock. That's gonna rock. You know that they they gonna let that man off no hooks. No, I said nah. we are. I'm not talking about oh, that. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I think we're. I think we're. No, pretty but much so we done. gotta talk about the mystery back surgery now. Oh yeah, 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 but that don't got nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving didn't. <laughs> I'm about to say something ben Simmons carrying the weight of his own ego. Uh, we we gonna see. We we definitely gonna see. Let's get right into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. sports show. Yeah, yeah, sports show. Yeah, yeah, sports show. Sports show. We get it on, get it on. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Year Sports Show. I'm your host, Big Baby, aka the Soul of RB. And to my right, we have Pete. The parade happens in Manhattan, Rosado, this week. What's going <laughs> on, brother? Not much, not much, man. I am still stoked. Last night, uh, saw Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm a huge you know, Marvel fan, comic book fan had to be there the night it dropped in freaking incredible. If you're a Marvel fan, if you've been watching the Marvel Universe for the last 10 plus years, you need to see this movie. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, the fan service is great. The movement of the stories is great. It was just absolutely nuts. It was everything the trailers made you think it was going to be and then some. That's good. I'm glad because remember you came inside the chat complaining about how tired you was, and you made yeah, a life yeah. choice to go to an eleven o'clock show, and then you got to be up by like five in the morning. So I'm just, I'm still dead tired. I'm not going. I'm not going to walk that back. I'm bone tired right now. It is out here, out here, out here raining, raining oh, yeah. disappointment like a Knicks season in full effect. Um, right. You know. You mean like the Brooklyn season that just happened? Yeah, yeah, it's out here with that. It's out here with that black and gray skies, like mm-hmm. a Brooklyn disappointment in effect. Uh, and, and and for those of you who are wondering why the name is what it is, uh, you know, as you know, we have our, our group chat, and uh, Matt was on a tirade this week talking about how if Brooklyn won a championship, the parade should happen in Brooklyn and not in the Canyon of Heroes where every New York championship parade has ever happened. Yeah. I mean, it is tradition for it to be that, for it to, to, to be there. But I think Matt's point is maybe we should change tradition at some point. But in order for them to change tradition, the Nets will have to win a championship. And in this current NBA landscape, it's going to be pretty, pretty hard with the rest of these teams getting better. So we you shall got, see. You got my man's, you got my man's, which we're going to talk about in detail today. You got my man's coming back, trying to come back from a whole facial fracture mm-hmm. in the third game of the series. Yep. But Ben Simmons couldn't play 15 minutes a night with the back. 
Again, we're leaving the Brooklyn Nets out of this. I don't got nothing to do with the Brooklyn Nets. The only thing we're gonna we're gonna mention is get well soon for 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 Ben Simmons. He he had nah. a surgery, nah. and like I said, I I'm holding my breath right now because I don't want to again be quick to judge because finding out the whole the mental stuff and then finding out the back stuff, I don't even want to guess with this anymore. Get nah. your back done. Get your get your back fixed. Be ready for training camp, and 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 be on the court. That's all nah, I want. I'm gonna give that man the smoke for the rest of his career. All I'm saying is, yeah, I hope that man healthy. He definitely don't want to wish ill on nobody, but I hope he feel a little twinge in his back every time he go for a layup. Yeah, that's no good for 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 your nets though. So let's no, hope. I didn't want him. I didn't want his. I didn't want his bum behind anyway. But moving on. Moving forward, um, the NBA playoffs has been. Really, really interesting. Um, I want to start with um, the Warriors real quick and this real aggressive series by both teams. Now, I'm going to say this. I said this in the chat. I'm going to say this again. Draymond Green foul in game one was not a flagrant two. I can give you the flagrant one. No, it was, one, not, was not. But, but we, will give, we will give you the flagrant two. Dylan Brooks foul in, in game two was a flagrant two. He almost damn near got two flagrant twos when he fouled Draymond. And then he fouled GP for no apparent reason. There was no reason why he should have hit a helpless GP in the air after Ja already made the play of the ball. Absolutely no reason. I was so that man child who is putting out right now. Mm-hmm. That man had a 40 piece and almost two sides, two 10 piece sides. In that game, I mean, this this John Morant is becoming a star in front mm-hmm. of everybody's eyes in, in this playoffs. Right, a bona fide I mean, star. He is, but I think that um, because of the lack of vet, veteran presence, the Warriors are going to overtake them. But it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a dogfight every time. Welcoming in BK Matt. Who says parades for NY named teams are in Manhattan? Based off the um, you know, based off the conversation we had. Um, but again, I think John Morant has a lot of star power. I think um I think that team, I don't think they're a piece away, but I think they're more of a more experienced. They need more experience. Like this playoff yeah. experience is going to be the best thing for them. If they're able to keep this core of young players together for a while, this would be Warriors light for them. I so. feel like if, if, if John Morant had had the opportunity to play on the Grizzlies teams that had had players like, like uh-huh. definitely would have been something. Um, to right. see, because that that definitely something he could use. You're 100 right. You know they don't mm-hmm. have that veteran leadership on that team. They don't have that big body. They don't have they don't have that player that really strikes fear into the heart of uh, into the heart of opposing teams. Um, and you know it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know um, you know and. Listen, Ja's great, but they they need more pieces, um, and and they just listen. Even with another piece, they're not. You can't. 
I hate to say you just cannot outgun this Golden State team. They have too much firepower offensively. And yeah. and you gotta remember that Steph and Clay and all of them are still not a hundred percent. Right. Um I think this is gonna continue to be a very physical series. Um and I'm what I'm hoping for is that I'm honestly like I love playoff basketball. I love nineties style basketball. I don't like, you know, them taking each other out, but I love that the refs are somewhat letting them play. Um but I'm hoping nobody comes out anything like real significant. Like GP's injury could have been a career short ender. So yeah. so we don't like I said. Best of wishes to um, Little Glove, and if the Warriors make the finals, that's when he'll be back. So, um, I think they will. I think you know the only thing stopping them is probably going to be the Phoenix Suns. I think that's definitely going to be an incredible uh, Western Conference Finals. Right. Um, Phoenix and uh, Phoenix and Golden State is definitely going to be an incredible Western Conference Final, um, and it's just going to be about who could. Who can stop who? Because you're gonna have Stephen Clay probably being Stephen Clay, and right. you're gonna have to have Draymond Green and Kelvin Looney having to stop DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, shout out to Michael Bostic. He said Pete whipping that wheel right now. <laughs> Yo, I got listen. They, my neighborhood is so hard to find parking. Mm-hmm. It really is. So when you when you when you are able to find a spot, <laughs> it is legitimately one one of those things where. You know, sometimes you got to go into like the smallest of spaces, and I got to make sure that I'm 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 taking care of this. You know, getting it at the right angle, moving it, maneuvering it. Um, so that's that's why I gotta I gotta play I gotta play the angle game. I gotta play the uh, the whip game sometimes. Yeah, you and whipping it like a NASCAR driver. But <laughs> um. We're gonna stay you said talk about 90s basketball, though. Yeah. You want to talk about some 90s basketball. Game two, Celtics in Milwaukee. Oh, no. was yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely 90s basketball. For sure, for sure. Um, but for the people who want to hear about the, 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 the Eastern Conference games, you're going to have to listen to part two because this episode is going to be broken into two different parts. And um, the next part of the episode, me and the Queen will, will be talking about the, the, the East the Eastern teams, but staying on the West, Luca and and friends are having so much trouble with friends. Him. What friends? <laughs> Luca and and the boys are having so much trouble with the Phoenix Suns, and rightfully so. And um, it's the same reason why I believe Giannis may have some trouble with the Celtics right now. Neither of the two have a solid number two right now, and I'm not down. I'm not downplaying Drew Holiday, but if we're looking at the actual number twos on on um, Milwaukee, let's name the Milwaukee Bucks. Number two is out now. Dallas Mavericks number two is is up for grabs because Luca doesn't have that second piece, and I believe we spoke about this already. Um, I don't know if we muck each other on the show, but Luca doesn't have that second piece. Yeah, no. I mean, he has Jalen Brunson, who mm-hmm. definitely is cooled off in this second round. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that that's like the biggest thing. They don't have a solid number two. I I, I think you are downplaying Drew Holiday. Um, yeah. and, and I'm not and I'm not going to. You know, Drew Holiday is a solid uh, number two player. He's definitely not a number one. But you're right. Their, their, their true number two is out. And when you look at what the Celtics have in regards to a one-two punch in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who could easily both of them be ones on any team. Right. Um, that's that's the bigger thing. But, you, yeah, you, you look at this Dallas Mavericks team, and it's like uh, it, it's Luka Doncic and, and, and others. It. And others. Um, you know, and it remind it, you know what it reminds me a lot. I hate to say because Luca's nowhere in LeBron's class, so I, I don't want people to 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 misconstrue this as I'm comparing him directly to LeBron. But right. I'm saying that this situation that Luca's in reminds me of those early LeBron situations in Cleveland, mm. where he was the best player on his team by a long shot. And you know what? It can get to that. It could get to that point to where Luca is the best player. Well, Luca is the best player on the team, and the team's gonna have to make some ultimatums. Like, yeah. or Luca's gonna have to make some ultimatums. But that goes back to what we were discussing a few weeks ago and amongst each other that the players being GMs and and, and everything like that, and you know. And something we will definitely discuss moving forward. But um, Dallas has an opportunity. They really yeah, they do. do. San Antonio, as much as I love pop, as much as I love that system in San Antonio, they've always been my like secret, my secret love team. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not what they used to be. They're still trying to figure themselves out. Um, right. Dallas has a chance. Houston is definitely nowhere near being uh, a contender. Um Dallas has a chance that they can get another solid star right. and, and, and continue to fortify that bench and continue to fortify with role players. They have a chance to be a really good team in a Western conference that really it's the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, and an emerging, uh, an emerging Grizzlies team. Um, I don't want to put the Lakers up there because – we don't know what the Lakers are going to be. I don't want to put the Clippers up there because we don't know if this Kawhi Leonard-Paul George experiment is going to continue and if it does, what it's going to look like. And so based on what we do know with these teams, Dallas has a chance in what I would call probably the weak, a weaker version of the Western Conference than we're used to. Because we're used to the Western Conference being the conference that goes 10, 11, 12 teams deep. Right. But the prop the problem with Dallas, the problem with Luca is Luca also has to get better on defense. If Luca doesn't get better on defense, Luca's gonna get torched. Or if Dallas does not get better defenders around Luca, more three and D guys, Luca is going to get torched. Like yes. we were uh I was me and my boys were talking about this about Steph Curry a while ago. Um Steph Curry is not a great defender, but Steph Curry is a good defender uh, and can get you stops sometimes. Luka has to turn into at least a very good defender. Yeah, and I mean, that's that Euro style of basketball. We've never really seen these Euro guards um, really play that way with, you know, and, and, and you know, I don't want to sit there. You know, Ginobili's not necessarily a Euro guard, right? You right. know, um, so... 
you know, we look at that. You know, Tony Parker was probably the best guard from the European background that played halfway decent defense. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, you know, but then again, Tony, Tony was not considered to be the number one guy or wasn't looked at to have the kind of skill set that a Luca has. And at the end of the day, I can also understand Luca not playing too hard on defense because the man is expected to shoulder the entire load offensively for his team. And, and you end up having to make the sacrifice of, do we want him to be a defensive two-way player and probably not be able to be the offensive star? Or but he can't. Do, no, no, I, I don't want to say that he can't because here's the thing. I think Everybody can, and when you have someone who's as skilled as Luka Doncic is, I don't think the word "can't" is in their vocabulary. This isn't well, like a when player. You're, who, when you're one foot slower than your opposition, when it comes to he plays the point guard, he plays the guard position. When you're mm-hmm. one step slower than a lot of your opposition, you, you 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 catch yourself going up against guards like John Morant. You catch yourself going up against guards like Chris Paul or right. Devin Booker, who can easily take advantage of you because they have that extra step. Now, where you have James Harden, who's fell off a little bit and lost a step, he can probably stay in front of him. So that's what makes it so difficult for a Luka Doncic to be that two-way player because he does not have that extra step to stay in front of these these scoring guards who can, you know, bop, bop and get away from you and then drive into the lane. That's why they kept exposing him on a pick and roll and picking him out. Like, if you if you think back to um, – that game where the Lakers played, um, they played Dallas, and mm-hmm. um, they interviewed Kuzma, and Kuzma said basically whoever he was guarding, we gave the ball to. Yeah, but that, 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 I, I I agree with that 100%. I also think that goes back to what Pete was saying about um, the international play because nobody's patting a rock in, in international play the same yeah. way they're playing. But this in, is where you got to go to – this is where it goes to the coach. When we uh-huh. had this conversation about Doc Rivers and, and – and things like that. This is where it goes on the coach. I would not have Luka Doncic guarding the opposing team's point guard. I wouldn't have Luka Doncic guarding the opposing team's shooting guard if I know that they are more athletic and can get past him. With his size, you could easily put him on a small forward. You can have him play against defensively against someone else who he can match up well against and play smaller in other positions, you can easily play a three guard lineup mm-hmm. where you have your other two guards guarding the one and the two, and you have Luca guarding the three. This was the same situation that Dallas was in with Dirk. Dirk was not out there guarding the centers, and Dirk was the he was the power forward, but for most situations, he was the taller man on the floor because he many times, out. right, he many times he, he was not taller. He was taller than the center that they did play at the time. Um, you know, but he didn't guard the centers because the centers that Dirk Nowitzki was going to have to guard were going to body him because of Dirk's because uh, of Dirk's uh, uh, frame. size and his yeah. frame and his strength, his lack of strength. So what did they do? They had Dirk step out and guard the power forwards who at that point were not as agile. They didn't have the footwork. And so Dirk could easily outsize them. And Dirk sometimes – went off and guarded the three just because of his his length and his size, he could slow down those shooting small forward because they couldn't shoot over dirt. And that's where the coach has to be smart enough to make the uh, defensive game plan and put Luca 
in the positions where he could be successful. I hear that, Pete, but in this era now, you have a whole lot of athletic players inside the NBA. You have fives that can dribble the ball and get away and have that extra step, like a Joel Embiid, whereas you have your players, like Dre said, the Euro players like Jokic, who, who don't have that speed or don't have that athleticism, who literally cannot jump off of a curve. But yeah, they are talented and skill-wise and they're, and, and they're dominant players. But when you match them up against certain players, they're going to get exposed. Now, it sounds easy to do that for a Luka Doncic, but it really isn't right. when you have the opposition knowing that's going to be their game plan to hide Luka on the defense. So what am I going to do? I'm going to call screen the pick and rolls, and I'm going to make sure I get the switch where Luka is guarding me and I'm going to whap that ass. That's just how that goes. And that's uh, pretty yeah. much what Paul did. Forever, for all I'm doing is I'm looking for any pick and roll set that's going to get me Luka in it. Honestly, if they want to do that, D- Dallas Dallas should be playing a zone defense where, where their defense could rotate and step out and play up against that because that's uh-huh. what happens. When you're talking in college and you talk about the NBA, especially the uh, the old the older school NBA, and I'm not talking like super old school. I'm talking like even the the 2000s, early 2010s. You know they tried that though, right, Pete? Right when you when you want to hide a player defensively, uh-huh. you play a zone. You play a zone. You play a zone defense, so your defense can rotate, and you can continue to move the strong side of the defense. You could have guys step up into double teams, into traps, things like that, and you hide the def- the deficiencies of your man-to-man defense in your zone defense. And I know this because I spent four years watching the greatest zone defense in college basketball. And we did not have, at Syracuse University, we did not have some of the greatest on-ball man-to-man defenders. But damn, did we look like a great defensive team because that zone hit a lot of the man-up deficiencies that a lot of our players have. It's hard to compare college zone to NBA zone because there's and no how far did y'all go? There's no there's no defensive three three in the key. Hold up, Dre. How, how far did y'all go though? Every year we were in this, almost either in the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, or at least in the, around the Thirty Two. Even is with some of our worst teams, we made the Sweet Sixteen. Is that oh no, we we ain't, we we ain't won a championship for a while, but that's it's not going to work. That, that's you know. You do that against that Phoenix team, you're going to get shot out the building. You do that against the Golden State Warriors team, you're going to get shot out the building. It's, the zone defense don't work in today's NBA because everybody's in, – in, in this year in this era of NBA, everybody's a shooter. Yeah. Zone defense is supposed to force you to shoot. Everybody's a shooter in the NBA. It's not going to work. Yeah. The way I was – Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the last time a zone defense worked was when the Spurs – Bank the Miami Heat in the in the, in the, in the yeah. finals. That was the last time that worked. Right, and they were playing against two people who can't shoot, and then the rest of the team could only shoot when when the ball was given to them by the two people who can't shoot. So, um, my other thing about playing zone in the NBA, um, the defensive three and the key kind of like kind of negates that because I can stay at the top of the key and dribble as long as I want. I know I got 24 seconds, but if you're you're standing there, if you have a a big or a linky wing that you can put in the middle of it that's just staying there, yeah, I'm going to be shooting free throws the whole game. But um, for – 
for Phoenix for um for um Dallas, I think Dallas needs a couple more pieces. They need more three and D. They need a a good three and D wing. Like I can't say like a um like a young version of Trevor Ariza, not actual Trevor Ariza. Um supposed to be Spencer. Spencer is not a three and D wing. No, I said it was supposed to be Spencer. That's their number two guy, but again, he's not. It's no, like I, him and Jalen Brunson only show up when Luke is not on the floor, and yeah, that doesn't work. But not so much as a number two guy. I'm not concerned. Him. I, they do. He does need a number two, but as far as his others, he needs defender defenders on the court. Other than that, like Jalen Brunson, come on, I'm shooting over Jalen Brunson. And and Spencer Dinwiddie's not the quickest on the feet. He plays defense. Um, who your best? Yeah, you, you want you want guys. You know you, what they need are guys like 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 a Tayshawn Prince, like uh, you know like a Tayshawn like Prince, like right. like a, like right. They don't. They need guys like a Bruce Bowen, like a classic Trevor Ariza back when he was in on the top of his game. You you know like, like a, a Wesley, like a Wesley Matthews, like a yeah, even a KCP. Like something. <laughs> give somebody a Doug. Yo, give me a Doug Christie, and, and you know, and you're, you're going to be set defensively. Like you know, we we forget that a lot of some of the best wing defenders we watch these guys play. Like the people I've mentioned, the Doug Christies, the Bruce Bowens, you know, the Tayshawn Princes of the world, and and these were the guys who was like, yeah, they probably give you, you know, seven to ten points a game, but you could put them on the best wing on the floor and know. That you were able to slow that person down, if not yeah, Marcus Smart. M- mitigate, yes. right, right, yeah. and help Marcus mitigate, yeah, mitigate that right. player. And Patrick Bev, who yeah. I feel like don't get enough credit, is he's so much a villain. Pat Bev has always been my favorite player on that Clippers team, and that's because the the energy that he has and the culture that he brings. I love what he did to that Timberwolves team, yeah. and I, I feel like he's now going to get the credit that he deserved. And it's a beautiful thing. Like he, 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 him by himself changed the whole culture of that whole goddamn Timberwolves team, and that's a beautiful thing. Which is, but Jimmy Butler did the same thing. Like, and 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 Cat got soft. The only difference is that Cat learned. Cat's from still soft. He's still so Cat. Big Cat reminds me of the dude that now feels like you know he's gangster. Because he has gangster people on his team that's gonna talk for that's gonna talk and, and be valid for him. Yeah. Like when he was talking crazy, yeah, yeah, they got we gotta go to Minnesota. And then they got dropped off in Minnesota. That nigga is applesauce, bro. Mad sauce. And the crazy but I ain't gonna hold you, that was the best series in this in this whole playoff so far. So far, I, but I think this I think this this Warriors and Memphis series is definitely definitely getting to that point. Cause Steph is talking shit. Can you believe Steph, it? Steph is talking shit. I love Steph, it. Steph is talking shit because John over here doing the gritty every chance he that. get. I and then, that. like I said, oh, before earlier when you weren't on, it, it's super. It's a super aggressive series. I love um, it. I love, I love it. it. My only thing is, people uh-huh. need to people need to realize that we're not out here to be to hurt niggas, like. We out here to you know make a statement, but like the GP, Ooh. the GP thing is it like that? That, that was bothered. that was old. Yeah, that bothered that bothered me. Like 
Draymond Draymond foul was a flagrant one. We'll, I, yeah, it was a flagrant barely, one. Barely, barely a flagrant one. If yeah, gonna give it was a, a hard foul. It's going to give a swipe on the head, whatever. Flagrant one. Okay. I, that's what the rules are. Don't swipe for the head. Cool. But, man, Dylan Brooks, bro, Dylan Brooks, lucky, lucky he didn't Caught get back. Yeah, bro. Caught he, back. Yeah. he lucky he didn't get two flagrant fouls because he fouled Draymond and Draymond had stitches. Truth be told, he lucky that he ain't come up against a player that didn't give a fuck about nothing that was about he, that shit. He is like, lucky he ain't run up. It wasn't Rasheed Wallace. He lucky he ain't run up against a Draymond with zero flagrant fouls. That whole Rasheed Wallace who don't give a fuck about nothing. Or or Ben Wallace who's gonna get yeah. his on the low. Or like or Ron or Tess who just gonna go out and get it. Fuck you, like fuck this. Fuck this yeah. one. I'll right. charge it to my charge it to my psychiatrist. Yeah, charge it to my psychiatrist. <laughs> so the next thing we we're speaking about, and I'm gonna speak about this with Tay as well. Joel Embiid, um, this drops on Monday, so um, by the time he comes back, you know, <laughs> we'll, come we'll back know. tonight. Yeah, he'll come. He comes back tonight. So tomorrow, time, tomorrow, 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 right? No, the, tomorrow. the game is tonight. Yeah, yeah, game three. Game three is tonight. He is listed as doubtful as of the oh, last yeah. injury report. No, there's a, there's a they, they, notification. He's available. He's playing. Okay, so they've upgraded him. So I know right. the, the injury, the, the the first injury report came out like a little after their their morning shoot around, um, around right, right around noon, and it said that he was upgraded to doubtful. So mm-hmm. it looks like he has passed the concussion protocol, and they've cleared him to play for tonight's game. So the thing the thing about it is we can only make assumptions about how this is going to go, but my thing right. about Miami, Kyle Lowry cleared the play too. Yeah, uh, my thing about Miami and in in this Philadelphia series, um, again, we're just touching on it because uh, we're gonna get on East Coast stuff um, the next episode. But my biggest thing with this this Miami series is that if Joel Embiid isn't what my uh, what Philly needs him to be. You're gonna cough it up. The series is gonna be over because James Harden has not scored over 25 points in any of these playoff games. That's why I said that lost the trade. Stick it to that. That's <laughs> why I'm sticking to that. I, I'm sorry, but, but like I, I said, this, we, it's on the fence until we figure out how yeah. Ben Simmons is gonna be. Right now, the trade is a wash. Yeah, the whole the trade. Is, the trade is a wash right now. It can go either like, way. Right, the trade is a wash. Miami's gonna finish up. I think. His, Philly, for sure. But. His thing, though, I feel like Miami. Miami has let Philly be, for for as decimated as Philly was, games one and game two. I feel like Miami's let them play too close. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking about, um, you know, what is it, it, the average fifteen points. <laughs> well, I give you all. Well, no, you it, 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 it was sixteen. I think it was sixteen in game one, fourteen. Mm-hmm. No, sixteen in game two, fourteen in game one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you're beating them by an average of 15 points, but for a team that does not have its best de- play, uh, its best defensive and offensive option, it's number mm-hmm. one on both sides of the court, and, and by a long shot, the number one. You know, I'm surprised that they've even been within, you know, 15 points of, you know, 15 to 20 points of 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 the game, and they've mm-hmm. had the lead. There was a, a, a long stretch in game two where it looked like Philly 
might be able to pull one out and steal one. And then Miami finally, you know, turned it on and, and realized, oh, wait, we're playing against a subpar team. Um, honestly, I, I can see Joel Embiid's coming back, having an effect on Philly. I don't know. We don't know what Embiid is going to be offensively, defensively. We don't know what how many minutes he's going to be allowed to play if he's on any restrictions, Probably you know, uh, or, or, or anything. Um, but I, I, I can see him having a Willis Reed-like effect on this Philadelphia team. Uh, where I could oh, easily see them coming back, winning a game, maybe winning two, and, and pushing this further than a sweep. Yeah, it's going to go five games. I don't think it's going to go past five games. So Philly's going to get one. Just one. It might even be tonight. Philly will get one off the, the energy and the motion of Joel and B coming back. But then it all falls down after that because at the end of the day, Joel Embiid cannot beat the Miami Heat by himself. The only thing Philly can do is take advantage of them lapses where Miami can't score because they have that every fucking game for some reason where they just can't score. They're the they, most had that in the, they had that in the finals too. When they That's what I'm saying. They're the most talented defensive team. Yeah, they don't have a super superstar, but they have talent around them in that franchise, and they're well-coached to where they're going to see you at the end, but they just don't have that go-to score. They don't have that killer. Don't get me wrong, Jimmy Jimmy Butler is, is that guy, but we know that there's times where he he, he appears lackluster. So mm-hmm. yeah, if Philly can stay in the game towards the end, they, they have a shot, but if they keep getting in these games where they get blown out, and the bench has to make a run because, you know, Miami done emptied their bench and just, you know, was like, fuck it, we're going to let them rest because Jimmy Butler's hurt, you know, P.J. Tucker's hurt, Kyle Lowry's hurt, so we're just going to let them rest because, we you know, we're preparing for Milwaukee and Boston. Like, it, you know, they, they're going to have problems because they can't keep having these games where they're going to run that into those lapses where they can't score because if you go against that Boston team, you're going to get smoked. If you go against that Milwaukee team and Giannis gets free, you're going to get smoked because Drew Holiday can score. Bobby Portis can score. Pat McConaughey, he can score. It's like Brooke Lopez, he's, if he's open down there on the, on, towards the end on the wing, he can, he can, he can drain threes and they can make Yeah, man, Pete falls asleep. <laughs> Nigga, I'm just as tired as you is, Roy. I ain't going to hold you. But yeah, man, like. Miami my car is comfortable. My car is comfortable. I will tell you. Miami scares me because of those lapses where they don't score. Yes. That, that, that's my biggest thing. You can't thing. have that in the playoffs. You cannot yeah, have and that, that was my biggest playoffs. thing in the finals, too. Like, um, like Jimmy Butler at one point in time wasn't aggressive enough, but also he ran out of fuel with having to play by himself for most of the series. Um, but I also think that with – Tyler Hero being who he is now and coming into his own, I can only and and Strauss, I can only hope that these players consistently play like that so that a Jimmy Butler can still go for his 20, 25, his 25 points and he can still get that that firepower from the others. So wait, that that's the only thing we're gonna wait and see. But it's that time again, y'all. The state of wrestling. 
the, the very state of wrestling. So, did anybody watch anything wrestling related this week? I saw Raw. I saw a little bit of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. I got aggravated with Dynamite. So I was like, this, yeah. this, this. Everybody's hype about this Forbidden Door thing, but I'm like, didn't they do this when we was in New Orleans or something like that? Yeah. Listen, I was I was looking forward to one thing this whole week, mm-hmm. and that was the Ring of Honor Women's Championship unification match between Mercedes Martinez and Deanna Perrazzo. Uh People who know me and, you know, uh, see me in this business and, and know about me know that I, I – first of all, I know both of these uh, both of these women, Deanna from Jersey. I remember when she was breaking out onto the scene and she was – you know, doing a lot of the, the, the regular local indie shows in Jersey and things like that. And to see her growth um, into what she's become nowadays, being the virtuosa, being, you know, the the, the Impact Knockouts champion for a long time, no longer, uh, being the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, being the AAA Reina, Reina champion for as long as she was. You know, it, it's been an incredible journey for Deanna. Um, but, you know, an equally as incredible journey, 20 plus years, uh, for Mercedes Martinez, you know, who had busted her ass as a trailblazer in this business, um, making opportunities everywhere she goes um, and, and getting this shot at AEW and now Ring of Honor uh, to become the interim women's champion. And then this past Wednesday night on Dynamite, becoming the unified and undisputed Ring of Honor women's champion um, is it, just an incredible sight to see for everything she has sacrificed and, and, and put herself through and put on the line uh, for this business. And she could have easily walked away with some of the frustrations that she's had and she chose not to because she, she knew what she wanted to do and what she felt she was worth. And uh, this Ring of Honor women's division, I don't know what it's going to look like, but they've got one hell of a hill to climb with Mercedes Martinez as the women's champion. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, say it on Dynamite um, and AEW as a whole. Um, Jade Cargill, you know, what I'm seeing about Jade, she's starting to show her what what is that word that we get we, we say she has she may have some Charisma. crossover appeal. Oh she may start to have some crossover appeal. She been um, had that. I'm I'm but I'm saying with the introduction to the baddie section and again, shouts to, to Wilkins, myself, um Oh, the biddies! Yeah, we, we, we came up with that. The, bid, the, we, the, the that, that was us. We we did that. That, that. that was us. So we don't we don't want no you know we don't want nothing from it. Just say you know you got that from us. Well, shout out to, to Miss Jade Cargill. Um, one match. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting though, Dre, to talk mm-hmm. to talk about Jade real quick. Yeah, you're not wrong to say that she is has crossover appeal. Or I would say you're wrong in taking it. It looks like she does. No, no. She definitely has crossover. I think, here. I I think it, it's growing more. She has it, but I didn't see, like, I saw it, but I didn't really completely see the vision of what they were trying to do with her. So that's why I'm like, yeah. Well, here's first. why. Here, mm-hmm. Here's why. I think she definitively is has crossover appeal, definitely is a, a someone who can be a crossover person. We're talking mm-hmm. about the world of fitness. We're talking about just the world of, uh, 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 of black woman culture, right? Which is its own sphere of influence by itself. Not only just being a, 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 a black icon as a performer, 
and as a talent, but just being a black icon for wit for black women, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big thing in the fitness world. That the crossover appeal in the fitness world, obviously, with her physique and the way that she takes care of her body. Um, for mothers, being a being a, a mother in this business, to you know, so being being a crossover, uh, having crossover appeal there, and also having crossover appeal. In the world, in the world of, in the world of geek culture, she's a very big cosplay enthusiast. Um, You know, this is a woman that you can literally, you can probably see them putting front and center at Comic Cons and doing things like that. And I do see the possibility of maybe even some acting possibilities, whether it be as an action person, as an action star, or something like that. As a woman, I think these are all possibilities. But the difference is going to be. You know, at the end of the day, like it or not, and 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 I know the all the AEW stands are going to get mad at me for this. Uh-oh. The machine that the WWE has is just that. It's a fucking machine. It's a well-oiled machine. They know what they're doing, and they have the connections. Now, AEW can get these connections. They can work towards doing everything they have to do to get Jade Cargill to that point. But understand the head start that the WWE has in that in that department, and you mm-hmm. need to respect it because they've been able to take guys like John Cena, guys like The Rock, and you know turn them into crossover stars. You have guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin who has found a way to be a crossover star in his own right, not like The Rock or or Cena, or, or people like that. And, and and let's go back even further than that. Before they even had the machine they had now, you had guys like Roddy Piper, like Jesse the Body Ventura, who were able to be crossover stars. And the WWE did this as far back as WrestleMania 1, when they understood bringing celebrities in, bringing people from pop culture, from mainstream culture, and what's going on in the mainstream, into WrestleManias and doing what they do. I think Jade Cargill has everything that you could physically, mentally have as a singular person to be a crossover star. The question is going to be whether or not the AEW machine knows how to effectively promote her as such and put her in a position to capitalize on the opportunities that she that she could possibly have. That's going to be the biggest thing because anybody who's paying attention in the world of professional wrestling uh, the last couple of days saw the alert that probably went out about the, the, the partnership happening between Fenty and Bianca Belair. Okay. That's the kind of connections that the WWE machine has. They can just pull out and do. The question is going to be, can AEW make similar, not the same, but similar moves as they grow as a company. Again, I'm not bashing AEW, but I am telling people, also understand we have to temper our expectations because of where AEW is in their development as a company. Agreed. Nothing more I can really add to that. So, Matt. What's up? Shit <laughs> That, this what, shit, I'm yeah. trying to watch hockey. This shit hurt my eyes. I can't yeah, see yeah. shit. Yo, there is nothing like playoff hockey. Can I, do you know this? You know that you know in, in in playoff hockey when you go to when you go to uh, when you go to overtime in playoff hockey, there is no break. 
they go non-stop in playoff hockey. There's they have maybe one break, I think, which is like the first time they kind of like clean the ice for a couple of minutes in that overtime. But it is just non-stop, back and forth, and literally in the blink of an eye, the the, the game could be over. There's I, I am not the biggest hockey fan in the world. My cousins were. They I did watch hockey with them you know, when I was younger. But there is honestly, I don't care what you say about basketball, football, baseball, there is nothing as intense and as riveting, honestly, as overtime in playoff hockey. I don't see no black people. There's <laughs> like one or two, but there's <laughs> like one or two, Matt. But uh Matt, what are your what are your thoughts on, on this week in wrestling and as we head to uh WrestleMania backlash. <laughs> what are my thoughts? Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on the card? Let's, let's, I tell you the truth, I haven't even seen the card. All I know yeah. is uh, Cody and Seth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know who fucking Bianca is going against. Who is she going against? I don't. I don't. Let me see. I know she ain't going against Becky because Oscar just came back. Shout out to Oscar. I was happy to see her. Oh, man. I was very happy I, to see Oscar. I was, I was so excited to see, to see her. Um, I heard I'm about the for releases. Bailey, I'm waiting for Bailey to come back. I heard about the release of Dakota Kai. I, I was that shocked me. Uh, that that shocked a lot a lot of people. I was the more shocked by. Too. I was more shocked by Persia Parada, aka Steph Delander. Mm-hmm. Um. You know who was paired with Indy Hartwell down in NXT and the whole Dexter Loomis, Sam Dexter Loomis. That shit threw me off. I like Dexter. Yeah, I was. Hey, listen, yo, mad respect because say what you want, Mm -hmm. NXT took the man known, formerly known as Samuel Shaw, and was able to do so much more with and elevate that character. Yes, more than Impact had was ever able to do. And things like that. Like when you talk about taking a character that I could care. And Sam Shaw, great wrestler. Great in the ring. His mannerism, psychology, great. But I didn't give a crap about that character until NXT got got their teeth into it. Yeah, he reminded me of like the new age Heidenreich. Remember, remember him? Yeah. He, he, he was like me. the new age Heidenreich. He, he was so hilarious. He, he him with Gargano. Yeah, he did, he did give me hide and write vibes. Remember when he was showing him the condoms? He was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yo, still one of the greatest. One of the greatest uh, segments is during the mm-hmm. wedding when you just flash the hatchet. Yeah. Like, yo, anybody got something to say? I got the hatchet on me, right. ready to go. Big, you know, you know. Uh, big shout out though to Malcolm Bivens. Um, yeah. You know that man. That man's gonna land on his feet no matter what. Um, yeah. I think. I think a lot of these people that man's only got thirty, bro. Malcolm Bivens, they they thirty with uh what they thirty one twelve oh one that man gonna be someplace. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody who was released, uh, with the exception of maybe uh, uh Parker, because uh, I don't know if his heart is really into this, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to speak ill about the man, but Steph Delander's what twenty five years old. She's one of the three big stars that came out of that Aussie system. I mean, literally, when I tell you they stacked them up and shipped them out, it went Rhea Ripley, Indy Hartwell, Steph Delander. That was literally the progression of stars out of Australia. Steph Delander is going to land on her feet somewhere uh, Mm -hmm. and be a star. 
I think Dakota's going to land on her feet somewhere. Uh, can be a definite, uh, you yeah, know, improvement. Oh, definitely an AW or it's Impact could be. Could I want to see Dakota. I want to see that in Japan. Yeah, you know, she could be a great uh, pickup for any women's division. I think Sam Shaw now with his character after being done doing what he did in NXT is going to be a very big pickup for everybody for anybody. And you know, Bivens, like we said, and then with today the information today that you know uh, the the new mommy on the block. I mean, she's been a couple of months now, but Candice LeRae now being a free agent. Um, you know, first of all, I know she's having a great time, you know, her and Johnny being mommy and dad, you mm-hmm. know, uh, being green, being a great time with, with Quill, you know, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Candace take some time off and be mommy. Um, uh, but it'd be good to see, you know, where, where a lot of these people go. Cause I think a lot of them, you know, still have the ability to go places and, and, and make some, uh, and make some waves. But, um, I, you know, know what I don't like about free agency when it comes to wrestling is that everybody assumes everybody's going to AEW, and the big I thing, hope it doesn't happen like that. Like yeah. I really, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm looking at NXT like how we all looked at, you know, the Attitude Era. Some of us, the Ruthless Aggression Era. It's just like you didn't want to see it end, and then when it ended, it was just like, now what? Now, like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I like 2.0 to a degree, but I'm gonna always have that feeling like the Golden Black was so much better. It was just, it, it was just the time, like. You like the first three bar like NXT takeovers in Brooklyn. It was like takeover was the place to be, and yeah. it doesn't have that same vibe no more. And it's just I'm like a, I'm gonna say something that's gonna be um, controversial, right? It's gonna be somewhat controversial, but rock with me with it, right? Yeah. What NXT is was doing is what AEW wanted wanted to do, and what yeah. I mean by that is the fact that NXT was a lot a lot of the place where First, it was a development system, but it basically became a third brand because most of the top independent stars started coming over. Started coming over. Anybody who was on the <coughs> on the independent scene, excuse me, um, was there. AEW wants to do that to the same extent, and this is why the reason why I keep comparing them to WCW. Why you keep taking the leftovers from and doing it so badly? Yeah, like I didn't want to say it because you know I know how Pete feels about AEW. <laughs> but, uh, it's just I just like it, it, it kills me to look at Tony Storm and just be like, yo, she does not fit in. I'm looking at her with 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 um Ruby Riot. I'm just like, yo, this shit looks so washed right now. No, but you know, I was trying so hard to get into it. You're not wrong, Matt. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. But here's the thing, though. AEW uh-huh. smart in how they do it. They understand, listen, the AEW fan base, for better or for worse. Bunch of virgins. They, they are, well, no. But they are, they are, to a degree, the anything but WWE crowd. They are the super indie crowd. They are the PWG crowd. They, they are, are the, the super indies. Yeah, they, they are. They are, they are the. They are the tape traders. They are the ones who will sit there and reference a match from DDT Pro back in two thousand and four. You know, they they are those. And 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 the the fact of the matter is, they're going to love the fact. Listen, there are a lot of people on social media. There are a lot of people on Twitter. There are a lot of people in the wrestling world who have made some very salient and poignant points when they say that there are people in AEW 
that are in exactly the same position that they were in in WWE, but you don't see them complaining in AEW or you don't see the fans complaining about it in AEW. And here's why. One, with AEW, a lot of the fans are just happy that their people are not in WWE. That's there right then and there, right? It's just like we don't trust the WWE to – we don't trust – it's like I don't trust them to take care of my kid, right? They look at it as this is ours. We have this ownership around it, and we don't trust the WWE to show it the respect that we feel Mm -hmm. it deserves. Now, for better or for worse, the WWE formula is what it is. It sometimes works. It sometimes doesn't work. It's not always on the W. It's it, it's not always the fault of the WWE. Sometimes the fault of the talent. It is what it is. But a lot of that fan base is just sitting there, just like we're just glad they're not in WWE. But also, and this goes back to something we spoke about, Matt, and we had a little bit of a back and forth about about sports in general. When we were talking about the whole Gary Payton thing, we were talking about would you rather sign the big contract and go somewhere and get your bag, yeah. or would you rather take less money and stay in Golden State? Yeah. And this the same logic applies, honestly, right now with this whole WWE, AEW back and forth. Ooh, I got a rebuttal. No, listen, at the end of the day, you get the, the question is, here's the question. Do you want to do your money? Do you want to make your money? Or do you want to do your art? Right? Mm-hmm. And there are some people who are, I want the bag. I want the money. I'm okay if I get one match a week on main event. I'm okay if I'm sitting in catering. I'm making my money. I'm getting my bag. They're fine with that. There are other talent who are not happy about that. And they're like, you know what? You You could offer to pay me X amount of money. It doesn't matter. I want to do my art. I want to yeah. do it this way. And so they're willing to go and go to a place that, yeah, we'll pay them still decent money, but not what they were going to get somewhere else. They're going to be able to do what they feel happy doing, their art. That fan base is going to accept it and love it because it is what it is, and that's what yeah. they want to see. Mm-hmm. And they could be in the exact same position getting one match a week, but they, they just internally, for whatever reason, Mm-hmm. Feel better about it being okay. there than over there, and I, I I can't listen. I'm I'm not I'm not a professional wrestler. You have you've been there, Matt. You you've been on the road. You've been you know you've trained. You've done that. I've I've been in the ring. I've trained. I've bumped around, but I've never lived the life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't speak to their mindset, but I can understand the idea of do I want to do my art or do I do do I want to do my money work? And there are some people who want to do the money work. And there are some people who want to do the art. There are some people who think they want to do the money work, but they really want to do the art. So they go take the money and then realize, eh, don't really want to be here, not happy. So they yeah. go back. And there's going to be people who are like, ah, all right, I'm done. Like, honestly, Shinsuke Nakamura, that man is doing his money work. He did his art for as many years as he did in, in Japan, Japan, the Ring of Honor. Yeah, That man did his art. Finn Balor, he did his art in Europe and in Japan. They exactly. are doing their money work, and they exactly. are still doing. They are still doing great things 
regardless of what fans want to think, okay, they are still doing great things, but they are happy with the situations they're in. And there are going to be people in the WWE that are just like, you know what? I'm making this money, but am I happy? And if you listen, if you're not happy, go where you're happy. Go yeah. where you're happy. But that's what you kind of see. You proved my point to a degree. Now, when we, when we were discussing the Gary Payton Jr. thing, Gary Payton Jr. and 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 um for the better part of Jordan Poole too. Remember, they had to battle just to get into the league. <laughs> so it's like to get that big contract is different. It's like it's not guaranteed that they're going to get it. We just saw what happened to Gary Payton Jr. Granted, he'll be back within a month. God willing that the Warriors get past Memphis, you know, he'll be ready for the finals or, or you know, whatever the case may be. But that injury could have stopped him from getting a good contract. You get what I'm saying? So I, I hear the whole art thing, and it works with wrestling. Why? Because your art is your name to a degree, right? right? So you have some of the greatest wrestlers who never – have ever been seen on WWE TV. So if they if they've been battle tested for like 10 to 12 years and then they finally get that recognition from WWE, they're gonna take it because look, I get to plant my flag here and make make whatever money I can make. And if it don't work out, I got the notoriety and the name, the namesake to go make more money elsewhere. Right. So it's kind of different with, with that aspect when it comes to wrestling. Whereas in an NBA, you got your DeMarcus Cousins, who had the big contract, kept getting hurt, and now is on is signing up for one year deals. Well, he's not getting on and, that contract. And the environment don't work for anybody. You know, we've all seen it. How many players have come to play in New York for the New York Yankees or for the New York Knicks and played on the big stage and just can't hack it? Right? Yeah. It happens. Right? It, it it there are some people that should, it's not it doesn't work for them. And we've seen that with some of some of the the the, the people that we've seen coming to the WWE in the current recent years that are now in AEW, where she's like, hey, they wanted to be there. They thought they had what it took, but hey, it wasn't for them. It wasn't the right environment for them. It wasn't the mm -hmm. right fit for them, whatever, and, and whatever it may be. And now they're That's out and they're doing what, but, but then again, look at Cody Rhodes. Cody left to go do his art. He left to go do what his heart wanted him to do. Mm -hmm. And then he said, you know what? It's time for me to go back. It's time for me money. to go and take this to another level. And, and, exactly. and, and, you know, his perception of what he wanted out of the business changed. And there are going to be people who do that. We've seen that with people who've gone from WCW to WWE, back to WC, back Stand to, apart. you know, here, go back to the indies. The Stand business apart. is, yeah, the business is so much different, right? Where it's like, you can go, go to WWE, you can do what you need to do there, and you can retire on that. And you mm -hmm. will always be forever known as a WWE superstar. And at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody says, that means something. To have performed on that stage, to have performed at a WrestleMania, whether you're the first match, the pre-show match, the third match on the card, or the main event, it freaking means something to have done that, right? To some people, it may not mean as much to them. To some people, Japan is where it's at. That's the dream for them. Right. I knew a, I knew a guy who and all of us knew him, you know, uh, a young man who passed away uh, way too soon. Uh, tragically, Matt Travis, who wrestled yeah. here in the New York City area. Right. That kid, when you talk to him, when you talk to Matt Travis, he said to him where his heart was, where his dream was, 
It wasn't the WWE. It was Japan. That was his stage. That was his top of the world. The That's top a lot of, of wrestlers, ladder. though. That's right. was a lot of wrestlers. That's like, that was um, the top of his ladder. Like Joey Ace when me and him started wrestling. And, yeah. and shout out to Joey. That's that's like my that was my that's my best friend. Um known him since I was like 15. He he put me on the New Japan and, and old Japan. So he put me on more or less to the indies and the tape trading thing. All I knew was ECW, WCW, and WWE at when I was 15. And then he opened that whole realm of world to me. And then, you know, I started to see the Ayabusas of the world. And then, you know, I started to be like, maybe I could go to Japan till I saw the way how hard they was hitting people. I'm like, the last thing I need to do is get locked up in Japan. So, yeah. But <laughs> so I was like, I, I, and he, he'll tell you his biggest, yeah, of course, the ultimate dream is to go to WWE because shit, that's where the money is. That's where right. the mainstream attention is. We all grew up in the attitude era in the golden era of, of WWE, right? So, but everybody wanted to sink their teeth in, in Japan or AAA. So a lot of those, a lot of the wrestlers from the era where I was in the independence, all they wanted to do was go to Japan, where I'm like, I'm not going to Japan. I'm not living off McDonald's. It's not happening. But that was their dream. That's what they want. Because WWE seems so far in the realm of possibility of going there because they're all we're all like five, six, five, seven. Yeah. You know, where that's the land of the giants. Everybody has to be like six foot five and three hundred fucking pounds. At that so, time I mean, too, when you yeah. were wrestling at that time when you were wrestling, Matt too. Like it's only been literally almost only a ten year hangover from ECW, almost yeah. less than ten years hangover for for from ECW. So a lot of these wrestlers, when ECW kind of when easy ECW folded, I think that took a lot of people's you know options away. I'm not even talking about WCW because you know at the end of the day WCW from 2000 to the end of its time was no place anybody really wants to go. Um, but I mean, look at look look at somebody like Randy Johnson. To, to, right. to, 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 you know, Randy That's Johnson it. came to the New York Yankees when he did. Um, was he That's successful? In, <laughs> yeah, Randy, yeah, Randy Johnson. Yeah, I was like, I was like, played played for the New York Yankees. Uh, Kevin Brown played for the New York Yankees, and most Yankee fans will want to kill somebody when they hear the name Kevin Brown, and I get it. I was there. I was one of them. You know, but you look at guys like Kevin Brown. You look at guys like Randy Johnson. You look at some of these players who have come through for the Yankees, and they performed horribly. They did not live up to the reputation that they'd had as players in a Yankee uniform. Does that mean that Kevin Brown was not one of the best pitchers in baseball for as long as he was? No, he just couldn't hack it in New York. Was Randy Johnson not a Hall of Fame pitcher? No, he still is. He just couldn't hack it in New York. Just because someone cannot make it to the top of WWE, <laughs> just because someone doesn't make it to the main roster or make it to the top of the top of the food chain in WWE, doesn't mean they still can't be considered one of the best wrestlers in the world. The thing or- is, people are not realizing getting in to WWE passing a tryout yeah. is enough to be like, yo, you are that good to 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 pass a tryout and potentially be on NXT. Because and people talk about that. Go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. People live off that. Remember, remember when it was tough enough? 
And yep. people got on tough enough, and then people were garbage on tough enough, and then they were running around being garbage on the indies, but because they were on tough enough, bro. Like, yeah. P, I don't know I if you remember. I don't. I don't even know if you remember Bill Carr. Remember Bill Carr? Yep. He was in FCW around. He was around that era when I was in the Independence. He was the one dude, one dude from our era that made it past the the tryout and got into FCW, and he was out there for a long period of time. He just recently, like I want to say, like a decade ago, started coming back up here and and you know and wrestling. I don't know if he still does. Or yeah, yeah. Him and I, I don't know if he still does, but I know him and Dan Barry were team tremendous for a while on the Indies. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. but people, that was his namesake because he was the one that yeah. got, that that got the WWE contract. People talk about what y'all were saying. Literally, like you can go to the E and. Make a name for being an, an enhancement talent. Look at the Bollywood boys. The Bollywood boys are running up and down the indies right now because they were genders lackeys. Yeah, they were, I mean, and they're they really good. They're actually really good wrestlers. Oh no, but, they're incredible wrestlers. Yeah. yeah, they're really really good wrestlers. But nobody would have known because they were getting tossed around all week. I mean, every week. Shout but, out to the Maharaja. Right, but it's like what y'all were saying. You got to get in where you fit in. And just having the name WWE attached to you gives you so much more layers to your wrestling career. Like, we would, we, but like, there's a couple of people that there's, there's people, there's, um, what's his, what is his name? You had him on your first show, Pete. Anthony um, Green. Anthony Green. Not many people knew who Anthony Green was. If if you watch 205 Live, you knew who Anthony Green was. If you watch a little bit of NXT, you knew who Anthony Green was. Um, but um he made his name. He was there. That that name yeah. draws draws people. Who else? What's what's his name who was on Tough Enough, who's now uh and he's wrestles all the time? Um I forget his name. I forget his name. I know his name. Um, well, I barely watched. He was that. in Lucha. He was in Lucha Underground too, and he was on your show as well. Oh, Matt Cross, M Dog, M Dog, yes, Matt Cross, M Dog, Matt Cross, Matt Cross was on Tough Enough. Yeah, well, I mean, but Matt, Matt, Matt was able to build his career, right. You know, for for a while. But you know what's funny is people always use the you know big fish in a small pond, small fish in a big pond metaphors when it comes to wrestling. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, news flash: the WWE is not a pond. It's a freaking ocean. And at the end of the day, you could still be a huge fish and still hide in the WWE ocean. I don't know if y'all know this. You know, I'm not talking to y'all two, but, like, there are species of fish and marine life that are huge that you never see in the ocean because it's just so big of an ocean. The WWE is the same way. You could still be a big fish. And it's just that ocean is so vast and so big that you know, it doesn't matter how big of a fish you are. You're, you're still swimming in an ocean that's a thousand times bigger than anything. And I can fill you up now. You know, it, and that's the thing. I mean, there, there are some great stars, like Matt said, who have never stepped foot in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some great stars in this business who, you know, were in the WWE for a cup of coffee. Um, there are some great stars. Listen, Chris Candido, you know, is one of the best professional wrestlers 
you could have ever watched in your Facts. life. And, and, and that, that was and, just a, that was just a shitty hand he was dealt. Yeah, Facts. and most people, Stupid and bitch. most people, Sorry. if you Sorry. tell people, if I if I go to a wrestling fan and I'm like, yo, would you make Skip of the Body Donners your world heavyweight champion? People Shout would to like, yeah, people would think that I was the craziest person in the world. But you go to a, a wrestling fan who knows the name Chris Candido, and they will sit there and give you a dissertation as to why Chris Candido could have been a world heavyweight champion. Guys yeah. like Steve, Car uh, yeah. guys like Steve Carino, Shane Douglas could have been a world champion in in in, in anywhere but w anywhere but WCW. I don't, He's a I'm cool good. dude. You ever met yeah. him in person? He's funny yeah. as shit. Shane, Shane Douglas had a guy last time I, I saw but, him. But but there's people like that, like. The people who were marketable but not marketable to the WWE for and for whatever reason is it's their reasons. My my issue is and the gimmicks are marketable. Yeah, they Ted DiBiase, if you ever watch Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Ted DiBiase used to have some of the most brutal matches, some of the most brutal cage matches. Ted DiBiase was, you know, one of the best wrestlers on the territory scene. Goes to WWE. And becomes the gimmick of the million dollar man. Listen, that man, man saved his whole life. Right. And and at the barely end of the had day, any matches. Talk about how, oh, it's silly, it's a gimmick, whatever, whatever. That gimmick will last him for the rest of his life. Yeah, even though he owed the government money. But yes, it, <laughs> it, 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 will, it will last him for the rest of his life. Him and his son. Well, his son about to start wrestling again because he owed. I thought his son was an IRS worker or some shit like that. Or no, a tax, a tax return. I don't know. That nigga stole taxes. That was a tag team partner that was the IRS. Yeah, that was, yeah. But guys, really, really, really good episode. Really good episode. Hold on, um, hold on. We gotta give we gotta give a shout out to somebody. I want to give a shout out to JJ Reddick for putting Magdor Russo and Skip Bayless and Shannon oh, Sharp yeah. in place. Oh yeah. We need. We need people like you in the media that 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 put these people in their place for saying blasphemous shit, like mm -hmm. saying Draymond Green needs to shut up and play. Oh yeah, be ashamed of your damn self. Oh, shout yeah. out to JJ Reddick, man. Oh Spoke yeah, that truth. Oh, Spoke yeah. that gospel. JJ Reddick held it down, and people. So the thing about that, people were like, "Oh, Stephen A. Smith was shutting up." No, Stephen A. Smith let the player defend the player. And then JJ Reddick was like, you know what? You racist as well. <laughs> so, so JJ Reddick held it down. Like I said, people were like, oh, Stephen A. Smith, yes, he has some moments where it's like, come on, bro. But Especially we talk about Kyrie. Yeah, when it comes to Kyrie, he real 50 50 with me. But um, when it comes to this, nobody needed to hear Stephen A. say anything about this. You need another player to say, to, to defend another player. And then people are like, oh, did Stephen A don't defend black people? Like, Bro, I'm not. Randall Russo. Randall yeah. Russo yeah, reminds me of like the racist white guy that doesn't yeah. want to come off as racist, but he is racist. So, but that shit was just shut up and play. Don't, don't the world is tired of hearing Draymond. I listen to that man podcast every week. I don't know what I the was, fuck he's talking about. Right. I was telling, I was telling my boy, I was on the phone with him today. I was like, listen, I didn't ask for a Draymond Green pro pro podcast. And it's not like I woke up in the morning and be like, you know what? I want to hear Draymond speak every week. No, nobody does that. But 
when Draymond speaks, he's not he he knows what he's talking about. Exactly. So I don't mind listening to Draymond Green speak about stuff. Now, when it's, if it's Chris Webber, then no, I'm, I'm just not listening to the podcast. Nah, you say Chris Webber, if it's fucking Kendrick Perkins half the time, oh, no, no, no. Listen, listen, I can't listen. Remember when Chris Webber was on 2K, I was just like, oh, bro, I got to cut this shit off. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But, yeah. Well, shout out to more. J.J. Reddick. Definitely shout out to J.J. Reddick. We'll definitely get more into that on part two of episode 103 when me and the queen discuss a few things. Oh, she's going to go off. Oh, she will. And I, I don't even think she heard the clip. If she would have heard that clip, she would have went off. Because it really looked Put the clip in the off. chat. Put the clip in the chat. It came off racist as fuck. When, when I heard it live, I was like, yo, this motherfucker is... What is he talking about? Yo, when he, he grew up on Mad Dog Russo. He was on the Yes Network. I grew up on Mad Dog Russo. Bro, That's not, nah, like finding out people racist without them really saying it, but they really Boy. said it. I think it races how, but that's what I said. Put put their clip in the chat. Let's say listen to it, so so she can turn up. But guys, very special, very um special thanks to um, Job Chase Network. Of course, all the shows on the Job Chase Network don't need to name them. Viewing party going down this this Sunday. Um, after you spend time with your mother, or bring your mother to, to Legends, either or do your thing. Um, Mother, my kids, yeah. I mean, we going to work. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> uh, shout outs to Invictus Pro Wrestling, which we are one of the sponsors of their, their next show on May 20th called um, Takeover versus Shane Taylor Promotions. We are sponsoring Shane Taylor's promotions, Reverend Ron right. Hunt, as he goes against Mr. Jay Bougie, uh, who's been talking crazy to me online, but it's all good. I'm going to see him when I see him. Um, <laughs> shout outs to there go that drought we was just we talking are, about huh there go that drought we was just talking about uh, they yeah. can't score nothing shout out to We Are Wrestling their show on the 22nd um, one step closer we are sponsoring the battle of Trisha Dora versus the big bad kaiju O'Shea Edwards um and to be honest, again, I, I was talking, you know, I was making jokes about about it. Um, but this is probably, this is a main event caliber match. And again, thank you for Pete for us to being, uh, being a part of it. Um, we're definitely going to be. And big, and big shout out to the Java Tears, Java Tears podcast. Uh, we just announced today that they are sponsoring the big tag team mm-hmm. uh, match uh, between Fight or Die, Chris Barton and Dominic De Niro. Up against Yaya and Rayhan DePower. Formerly known as Yes. Montana Black. Yeah. Hashtag Integrated <laughs> Jump Shots. Lord hashtag Jesus. hashtag ugly gang. Hashtag the power coming to We Are Wrestling. And not to forget the incredible matchup that we announced earlier this week. Mm-hmm. AEW star Jay Lethal one on one with the man that I consider to be the heart and soul of We Are Wrestling, Rob Killjoy. Uh, that is going to be an absolutely insane match. Rob Killjoy is, you know, how we look at a lot of us look at homicide. Rob Killjoy yeah. is not too far off from that. That's a mental. Yeah, I, I don't think he's too far from that. Turn um, over the ball. Here they go. 
They about to get blown. Definitely gonna get on and watch the game now. But again, um, for the queen, Queen Tay, for the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. For James Harden got eleven points. Ain't that about a bitch? Finally, Sorry. for a BK Matt, it is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace. Mm-hmm.